0: Hey guys, welcome to the Blowing Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. So, uh, not a lot of updates since last time. Um, well, first of all, see my computer's cutting out again. This is ridiculous. Number one, first of all, I got a request for you guys. If you guys have like a cheap, like affordable laptop that actually has like decent uh, processor capacity, just just message me, you know. Get a hold of me on uh, Instagram or something like that because I'm talking right now and this thing is like cutting out intermittently and I've pretty much had it. You guys probably know all my woes about uh, recording with this thing because pretty much every single guest I have, like the first like part of the conversation you guys tune into when we start recording is how much I hate my computer. So if you got something that's like relatively affordable, I would love to hear about it. I don't need super great like video capability, but you know something that when I'm recording this right now uh, doesn't cut out. So that would be great. And of course, by that, I mean like, you know, something I can go buy. Um, yeah. So anywho, so, um, (laughs) we're just going to keep rolling here. Sorry about that, but I I just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, let's see, like I said, so not a lot, not a lot to update. Um, just been doing a lot of shooting, uh, kind of refinishing my, uh, one of my bear grizzlies, the heavier poundage one, the 50 pounder, um, it just needed a little a little bit of love and just needed a little bit of love in the in the in the grip uh shaping area and then I thought, well, I'm just gonna kinda refinish the whole thing. So um been kind of working on that intermittently and that's that's kinda it. Been shooting my other my other grizz. Um, uh, you know. Ton of just ton of fun. Just not really trying a whole lot of different stuff in the off season here. I tried a couple different things, you know, you know, clicker on, clicker off again, and I keep going back to the clicker. I really like it. Um, my groups are a lot tighter, and I, I just shoot better with it overall. Honestly, um, tried a couple different um, anchor points and things like that too, just to kind of change up my uh, my release a little bit, and uh, you know, I kind of go back and settle on what I know. And the method of aiming and not aiming or instinctive, gap-stinctive, whatever that I know. So, you know, you just always kind of end up kind of back where, uh, what what kind of works. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm shooting good. Uh, mostly shooting in the basement, kind of shooting at the local archery range here too. So that's kind of fun. Um, let's see, other than that, uh, what else? What else is new? Not a ton. I got a month before I head down to uh, Florida. Looking forward to that to uh, do some hog hunting, and some bow fishing, and maybe some turkey hunting, so super jazzed about that. Uh, let's see what else, Oh, so today, no, yesterday, yesterday was Valentine's Day as I'm recording this, so yesterday I had an awesome uh, ev- um, experience when I was driving my car, I heard a loud bang, um, and I thought it was a tire that the blue. I was only about a mile, mile and a half from home, I wasn't going very fast, thought, oh, I could limp at home, and uh, then about another mile, maybe three quarters of a mile Further down, I heard another loud bang, and anyway, long story short, the first bang was actually my spring braking on my left left front spring on my car. It's a 2011 Hyundai Elantra. I love this car, by the way. Uh, It's got 140-something thousand miles on it, and, uh, you know, hey, it might have been due. And the second bang that I heard, of course, was the tire actually rubbing and blowing up because it, it cut a groove into it. Because, well, you know, there's bits of spring dangling and, and basically like machining or lathing uh, like like a lathe, the machining into the side of the sidewall. Um, so that was, you know, 350 bucks, but you know, two struts and literally the job was done in like an hour. I was really surprised. Um, you know, I just did it in my garage here. And uh, luckily, everything came off super easy. Nothing was rusted in place. Uh, Super, super simple job. So um, the point of that isn't to brag about it. But the point of that is to, you know, in in this day and age, right, where we're having trouble, you know, finding things, parts and people and services and and, and labor and all that stuff. you know it would be who of you to learn how to do some some things i know this could be an entire series of podcasts about like self-reliance and learning how to do you know simple household you know fix-its or car fix-its and things like that but you know learn how to do some of these things i mean i literally had you know did this with you know i I had air tools but i didn't need them you know it was like i think it was like a 14 mil or 17 mil socket three-quarter inch um you know socket uh you know a jack and you know whatever it took to get the you know the wheels off. Mine were like 11/16, right? Uh, it it didn't take you know and a couple other smaller, basically like like a metric socket set. It was it wasn't a bunch. It wasn't it wasn't a ton, and it was super easy to do. And I knew like I kind of you know can kind of work my way through all this because I did this for 20 years, not necessarily on street cars, but you know I'm mechanically inclined. But you can just watch YouTube. You can learn anything you want on YouTube. So if you want to do this stuff. And be a little more self-reliant going forward. If this last two years hasn't taught you guys how to, or at least kind of like, you know, put up a red flag that says, hey, maybe I need to be on top of the ball here a little bit with uh, being a little more self-reliant, you know, fixing things like the thermostat in your house or... Um, I don't know, plumbing or or whatever. Take a take take a pick. Take your pick. Anything in the in the car. You have just changing your own oil, changing your own tire. Today's day and age, people don't know how to do like simple shit like that. And this is stuff that you need to be able to do. And I'm not just talking like guys. I'm not talking man stuff. Every man and, and, and woman really ought to like, learn how to do this stuff. I'm teaching my daughter how to do this stuff because I don't want her to be uh, reliant on anybody else, you know, man or woman or anybody else. She, she needs to be able to take care of herself. And, um, you know, so she's, you know, she's a pretty smart cookie with that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, you got to pass on the knowledge, but you got to have the knowledge to pass on. So, um, sorry, a little, little, little side tangent there. But, I mean, you know, if I had taken that car to the dealer, first of all, I would have had to have a toad over there. Um whether you have something like AAA where you get free towing or you have to pay for towing, that might be like a few hundred bucks just to get it there. And then, you know, labor rates, shop rates are like well north of like god 125, 150 bucks an hour or something like that. Probably more. I haven't taken been to a dealer in a very long time for any kind of fix it. Um you know, and then you know the shocks. Uh, the struts themselves, the assemblies, you know, they were like 160 something bucks a piece. Um, probably not top of the line, but you know, I got them from a the local O'Reilly's auto parts. Napa had uh, another set for like 300 bucks a piece, so I went with the O'Reilly ones. I don't care; they f- they drive just fine. Um, if you were to go to the dealer, um, you probably would be paying. It, it you know 500 bucks aside minimum you know 3 350 400 500 bucks aside probably and you'd probably be paying you know minimum of a couple of you know 2 3 hours of of shop time so you're not going to get out of there for under you know 1000 1200 bucks maybe more and i got away for like 350 bucks out the door. You know, it's a it's a significant saving. So, it's something you guys might want to consider, you know, just something to think about as we're heading into uh coming out of this supposed pandemic. Yes, I said supposed pandemic. Um it's man-made. It's called it's it's man-created. Um, you know, you know my thoughts on that. But um, you know, who's to say more of this crap won't come down the pike, right? So, you know, just just be aware of that. So, anyway, out of the good stuff. So, today I have uh Dylan Smith. Um, Dylan is a Sorry, keep cutting out again. Okay, so Dylan is uh he's Australian. He lives uh he lives in Australia and um Again, I started watching his YouTube channel, just like pretty much all my guests, and I've seen him on the, on the different forums and Facebook groups and things like that, and, you know, super interesting guy. He shoots a lot of stuff, and uh, we have a really, really good conversation about, you know, the, the, the North American model, let's say, that, that of wildlife conservation that, that we're used to, and hunting regulations and things like that, and how things work in Australia, the, uh, the similarities, the differences, the opportunities, um, pretty eye-opening. Um, it, pretty eye-opening in, in, in both ways. Uh, lots of things that I expected and lots of things that I didn't expect that kind of was like, oh, Hey, that's, you know, a, a different take on things. So, um, like I said, he, uh, he, sh- he shoots a lot of stuff, whether it's with uh, a rifle, with, uh, you know, compounds with uh, traditional, he's mostly a traditional bow hunter. I don't know if he still hunts compounds. Um, it's been about a week or two since we recorded this, but, uh, he definitely shoots stuff with rifle and he has a lot of, um, uh you know farms and things like that that he can uh that he can go hunt and some of these animals there they're they're pests they're problem animals that need to be taken care of so it's not just a matter of trying to uh you know do it the traditional way it's kind of like a duty almost or a responsibility he has to some of these ranchers and farmers to um uh to you know lower animal populations you know where he's at so um, super nice guys, very, very passionate. Uh, he's got a very, you know, a couple cool like TV projects, uh, a, a TV project coming up, him and his wife for a local Australian, uh, a, a TV, uh, show down there. Um, yeah, other than that, man, I mean, just, just a, just a lot of fun talking to him. Very, very, like I said, uh, just kind of, I don't know. Well-rounded hunter, I guess. He has a good view in the world. He has a good view on animals and conservation, and you know our our our, our role in in, in hunting and as hunters as people and all that stuff. So, um yeah. With with that, it was kind of a little bit longer one, but again, I could have talked to him for for a lot longer. Super cool guy. Go check out his uh, YouTube channel. It's called The Wilder Life. The Wilder Life. And, um, yeah, check him out there and check him out on, on uh, Instagram and stuff and give him a follow. Very cool stuff. Follow his journey. And um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this this uh, episode. I really did. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Dylan Smith.
1: i i actually Because trying to, yeah, record my videos. I edit my video better. I'll backup so, that was a big investment, but I'm glad I did it um, because my life is a lot easier now.
0: Yeah, my if I were to try and do that, um, I I think it would go up in flames. Uh, it it just it just definitely cannot my <laughs> mine cannot keep up. So, um, yeah. So there we go. We're recording finally. Um, th- this cool, is pretty man. cool. So I've I've got I've got Dylan Smith on the line and this is the first time i think in history that i'm actually talking to someone in the future with the with the um <laughs> the mir- the miracle of uh of science and 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 the internet but uh, you're 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 in australia and you're how many you're like 17 hours we decided ahead of ahead of me right now
1: yeah well it's 1 a.m for you on uh 1 a.m monday and it's uh yeah, six p.m. Monday for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're just getting off of work. I basically uh, took a took a quick little snooze, you know, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna record because this is the time that I think in the next like few weeks, you sounded like you're like just crammed for for time so i guess we can kind of just roll into that like what um like you're, you're in australia right and we'll kind of get into, into some of all the other stuff you do but right yeah. now like what do you uh, what, what do you do out th- i mean other than live out there or whatever but you said you're going to be you're going to be leaving and you're you're, you're you, said, you mentioned some sort of leave or whatever are you are you in the military over there are you what uh what, what do you do out there
1: i'm a um i'm a school teacher mate so uh i've got um, our we have like a fairly long summer holiday like what you guys do over in the states so we've just uh, finished our period of summer holidays uh, but for whatever reason our, our government department that employs me um, wanted to call week one of this school year just friday last week um, which was a day with no kids we were just there organizing a bunch of uh, your typical, you know, like anaphylaxis training and CPR training and getting a bunch of more um, online learning organised for when we open the schools again on uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, um, and the inevitable Omicron spike happens and people have to stay home sick and isolate whatever. So that's what I do and that's what I've been in the last two days, but um, I'm taking nine days long service leave starting now because there's a crew down in melbourne who are putting together a tv show about hunting in australia and my wife and i are the last two people who they need to film to put a full stop at the end of all the production and get the ball rolling on editing things so yeah i just had six weeks of holidays over summer and i went back to work for two days and now i am having two more weeks of hunting so i'm very excited
0: that okay so yeah i was I was a little off on a military thing totally <laughs> when, when you said when you said service <laughs> leave i immediately thought that um so um how, how is the well we're, we're getting all the news here right of of the way the way we get the news as far as you know the way you know covid's hit you guys over there and and all that uh, i i mean is it really yeah. as bad like as far as like what what they're doing over there to people and stuff as 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 was perceived I mean because here we're hearing like they're locking people up you've got these you know COVID uh, you know forced encampments um you know you you basically can't walk around on the streets without showing your papers you know like I mean full-on like 1930s Germany kind of like hysteria right um what's it really been yeah. like because uh, you said you're going back to work so I'm assuming you're going you guys are going back to in in-person training are you still online training or what or I'm or learning rather or how, how's it how's it been for you guys
1: the last uh in 2000 and, or 2020 we had a period of teaching from home in my state for maybe five weeks or so and then last year 2021 we had another period of about the same i live in a rural area of the state of new south wales so the rural areas have gotten off a lot lighter than the metropolitan areas um, i believe Melbourne, uh, the capital of our um, state of Victoria, has the record for the most locked down city in the world. But uh, look, honestly, for me personally, teaching from home is a pain, but I'm still getting paid and I'm still doing the best job that I can. So I haven't been put out of work. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, I've spoken to a few people from North America about what they see in Australia and Certainly some of the protests in Melbourne that were televised got pretty ugly. But uh I think it's it's a lot of reaction from our government in the same way of a lot of other governments around the world. You know, they're all about stopping the spread and I sort of sit in the middle with a lot of things like I, I got my vaccinations because I needed to get them to continue working. Uh I'm not particularly worried about getting my vaccinations. Uh there are some people who are, and that's fine. I'm not that bothered. But, uh, yeah, look, in a rural area where I am, like I said before, it's it's been okay. Like, even when we've been in a fairly strict lockdown, um, we've been able to leave our house for exercise and that kind of thing, and we've been able to do everything like that within what we call our local government area. You might call it a county or something, I don't know, but I've still been able to go out hunting and fishing every single time we've been in lockdown. So we're doing pretty well in my neck of the woods. But some of the people in the cities have been locked down for a much longer time. Uh and I feel for them, but I think we've basically just opened up now and everybody knows that once school goes back, the case numbers are going to spike again and we just have to deal with it. I suppose. Um and again it's not our issue i'm not sure if the issue is the same as you guys over there like we're so much smaller with our population so the issue really is just if we have enough people in hospital who are sick then there might be a risk that um if somebody else who's sick for some other reason i don't know like a car accident whatever, if they can't get into a hospital because it's full of people with covid that might be what the problem is going to be you know but uh, mm-hmm. like it's not killing thousands and thousands of people it's I, I, I don't even believe it's killed more than i won't even guess but yeah we're not losing that many people it's just one of those things where they're trying to protect everybody which i understand but we're all kind of over it now and it's been rolling on two years and
0: I'm yeah, looking forward yeah to seeing yeah, the yeah. other side yes yeah, i mean same deal here every time they go back to school you know you get the spice the the, the case of spike which is ex- exactly what you expect um but, uh, you know, it just I don't know, hopefully, because I've, r- I've ranted, you know, ad nauseum about about this. But I think um, at this point, you know, this this Omicron version, you know, seems to be no 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 worse than like the common cold. It seems like it's so mild. Um, apparently, you know, I still haven't gotten it. You know, I've never gotten any of the versions. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But I but I know yeah. people who, uh, you know, who are, who are vaccinated and who've had it and who've had it like twice. Um. Despite all that, so you know, I don't know. I'm kind of in the same yeah, boat. For know. me, it wasn't it wasn't something I wanted to trust right away because you know this it got it got uh, the vaccine got put out there like so quickly. You know, whereas like you know over here at least in yeah. the states, like if someone were to try and pass like uh, a, a new medicine or a drug, I mean, it'd be like years and years and years and you know uh, of, of of study and and data and and long term effects and stuff like that. This got pretty much like here you go six months in. It's take this. You know, but it, and so I, I didn't, you know, want to trust it, but yeah. same deal. I mean, in order to keep my job, I pretty much either, um, well, he, here's the shitty part, right? So I, I work, uh, I work in an environment where it's, it can get, you know, pretty like, like, you know, uh, hot and steamy and stuff like that, you know, so, um, especially in the summertime. Uh, so they said, okay, well, uh, if you don't, if you get vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, right? So i'm my shifts are like twelve, thirteen hours long. So I'm like, and and I can't stand it, right? So I'm like, okay, so fine, i'm I'm gonna do it, you know. Um, so then if you if you were vaccinated, then you didn't have to wear the mask and uh so i went and and did that you know just because i couldn't stand having the thing on my face for so long and then you know so we went maskless for a while and then of course you know stuff started to spike again you know because he's kind of go up and down in cycles and then they did and after all that they yeah. turned around and said oh yeah well we're going to go back to masks again i'm like son of a bitch <laughs> so you know like i, I basically <laughs> took this thing that i didn't want to take that yeah. i didn't really trust because it's so you know new and untested and uh now i got i've got that play i don't know you just kind of feel violated you know because it kind of forced this, uh, on you and now it's like, oh yeah we're gonna go back to masks again you know and so so I've got to wear masks at work yeah. I don't I don't know it's, it's 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 just incredibly frustrating but you know I, don't, I, I guess we could talk for days and days and days on that but um yeah oh, y- you yeah. and I yeah you I think you and I uh, are gonna have more fun talking about hunting <laughs> and the hunting that you do in uh, I in, think in so, I know yeah. I know so um. I, I guess uh, I, I like I, I recently started watching your stuff on YouTube. Um, I know I know your channel's been off for a while, and uh, and I and I know I've actually seen. Um, it's one of those things where you know, like when you start following someone, and you're like, oh, I've seen this guy's videos, or I've seen this before, and like like a video here, video there, kind of thing. But um, so your channel is called yep. the, the Wilder Life, correct? Yes. And wh- when did you when did you start that?
1: Well, uh, well, I'll go, I'll rewind a little bit before I started my YouTube channel. I, um, picked up a, a gig writing a column for a magazine down here called the, um, Australian sporting shooter. And I, I had a, I guess I just knew the editor of the magazine online for a couple of years and I'd submitted maybe a couple of stories here and there. So He approached me to ask me to write a column and at the time I had an Instagram account where I was just putting up pictures of me hunting and whatever. And uh, I was sitting with my dad having a conversation about what the name of the column should be and uh, he just sort of asked, well, what is it that you're trying to do as a point of difference to everybody else? And I said, well, I'm just trying to live a life that's wilder or more wild than what most people uh, what most other people do. So we came up with the idea of wilder life as a play on words of the idea of wildlife. And, mm-hmm. um, so my Instagram account is called wilder life with an underscore at the side and the YouTube channel, which came about a little bit afterwards is just called the wilder Lifer, mainly because if I remember correctly, I was probably already wilder life taken by somebody on YouTube. It all ties in. So when I write my articles now, it's under that, uh, moniker. and, and that's just where i put up all my videos now and it's all linked to my instagram and that kind of thing there's a facebook page too but it basically just posts the same stuff that my instagram does
0: yeah yeah so growing up um i was a girl how was it growing up for you is this something that you were uh like the hunting lifestyle outdoor lifestyle kind of thing was that was that something that uh wasn't was, you know instilled when you were when you were a kid or is that something you grew into definitely
1: as a kid yeah i spent a lot of time in the bush more so fishing than hunting just because that's what i guess you could say we had access to and uh my dad was a hunter back in the day back in the uh i don't know whether it was the same over in america but in the late 70s i guess maybe even the early 80s down here there was a massive boom in fur prices for our foxes so a lot of people around my dad's age bought um you know 17 remingtons or triple two rifles and that you had shoot foxes and make money off it but by the time us kids came along um dad wasn't hunting so much we were mainly fishing we we're a very fishing oriented family and so uh spent a lot of time in the bush as a kid doing that and as i got older we we moved from the bush to the coast so I got a bit more into surfing and other sports and by the time I reached early adulthood and I'd moved out of home my brothers and I just sort of you know our attention went back towards the the hunting thing because we became uh, aware of the fact that there's a lot of public land hunting available in Australia so that got our foot in the door with that and that was probably about 12 years ago now maybe and uh I'm 34 years old, so uh, yeah, I guess I've pretty well the last 12 years I've been hunting non stop. We did a bit of hunting as kids with a friend who um, he was a very experienced pig hunter with dogs, so he took us out a couple of times as kids and that was unreal, but we it wasn't the kind of thing that we could access readily um, just with their situation. And once we became adults and we could, uh, there hasn't really been any stopping me, that's for damn sure. Um, my brothers live on the coast, so they don't do it quite as much as I do. But every time they come out here, that's something we like to get up to for sure. Uh,
0: so, and, and you're a little bit inland now, right? I, I kind of looked up um, uh, where we. It's it's was it Armadale? and and are in New South Wales is like the, the state, right? Is that is that yeah on point there? Yeah. So you're so you're no yeah, longer mate, so, on, on the um a couple hours
1: from the coast as a you know as a, it's not a not a long drive. Um, so I, I live in an area we refer to as the New England Tablelands of New South Wales. So this uh, this particular area is fairly high elevation as far as Australia goes. There's a stretch of highway, a few hundred kilometres long, where most of it's above, a thousand metres above sea level, which is, I don't know, thirty. 3,200 feet above sea level, I suppose, which is pretty high (laughs) above sea level for Australia. Um, Yeah, so it's pretty cold uh, by Australian standards in the winter. Summers are pretty mild. It's a good place to live. I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, you sent me a picture the other day uh, when we were first kind of connecting, <laughs> and uh, it, 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 beautiful blue skies and you know beautiful scenery in the back, and it, it looks. Uh, of course, I was look, I was. I was at work, and I was looking out. I was looking out at this uh, cold, kind of bleak landscape at work. You know. Cause it happened to be like, I don't know yeah. a few, not last week it was like minus 13 or something like that in the morning. It wasn't, it hasn't been too bad. It's been in the, you know, and it, uh, Celsius, I'm sorry, Fahrenheit for me, but obviously, but, um, yeah, you, you um, yeah. Uh, in, 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 the, in your videos too, I don't know if it's kind of like local to you or whatever. It's actually, um more lush and mountainous than, than than i thought it was going to be um can you kind of talk about the terrain a little bit where um i know you said it's you know got some elevation to it but um like what is the yeah what does the landscape look like you know i mean fauna fa- you know foliage that kind of uh you know greenery okay mate well um first thing
1: i will say is uh i don't know what whether it's just the way the curriculum is i've been states or, or whatever but it's every time i talk to people in the states they they simply just not have much of an idea like they just think australia is either beaches or desert <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh it's i mean that the land yeah the land mass is probably similar size to the states uh, not including alaska and the country is probably just as diverse um not we don't have the same kind of mountains and, and snow or whatever but some of our our deserts and uh, some of our tropical areas are a bit different to what you guys might have. But in my particular area where I spend most of my time, it's anything from, uh, I guess you could say like a a temperate rainforest with big tall eucalypt trees full of ferns, water that's very fast and clear running in the streams. And we've introduced a lot of rainbow and brown trout in those streams and those areas uh, The ones closest to me are about 1,300 metres or so above sea level, which is um, very high for for Australia. And uh, maybe on the Tablelands, it's essentially a a big plateau um, that stretches a few hundred kilometres. So pretty well just rolling hills. Lots of, uh, most of the trees we have around here are eucalypts. Um, And then if you drop off this Tablelands area and go down the range as i like to say towards some of the other areas where i hunt they're a little bit lower in elevation so they're somewhere around that 600 meters above sea level so somewhere around 1800 to 2000 feet maybe and uh, that's a lot of um, what we call granite country Uh, uh, still a lot of hills a lot of big jagged rocks a lot of gorgy sort of country big mixture of Eucalypt trees, such as uh, uh, um, iron bark, stringy bark, those kind of things. But there's a lot of native pine in some of them as well. Um, and I've got, yeah, I've got access to other places way out, going in towards desert sort of country. But I don't think I've got any videos of that that country up on my YouTube channel. But most of what's on my YouTube channel is, yeah, just uh, the the. It's typical of where I spend most of my time. It's a lot more mountainous than what. Um, uh, North Americans may realize that the mountains, you know, in a lot of what I say, look similarly, um, intimidating to what some of you have over there. But, uh, the difference is we're just much, much further below sea level, I suppose you could say.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm sure with the elevation too, um, the humidity kind of takes care of itself, right? I mean, is it, I can't imagine, that it's it's a very you know uh, a humid landscape right I mean it seems pretty temperate. Oh yeah yeah down the coast like
1: I um I I just don't I'm not a big fan of summer at all like even the town I live now if it gets above thirty degrees Celsius I don't know what the hell that is in Fahrenheit but it's not that much um, I don't I don't enjoy it at all I'd much rather cooler weather. Um, but it's certainly not humid if I go down the coast to where my mum and dad live um, it just feels muggy um, I don't yeah I, I don't know I don't the heat doesn't really agree with me very much it's one of the reasons why I enjoy living in this part of the world you know it's a, it's yeah, a me very very mild climate I don't know where I could I don't know where I could compare it to in terms of like an area in the states but it's just a very easy climate to live in like even our most savage winters. Yeah, uh, We might have had a couple of nights last year that got to around minus eight or minus 10 degrees Celsius. Um, and then even it's really like that's only on the, the most high pressure of systems, you know. So by the time the frost melts off, it's a bright sunny day. Um, very easy to deal God, with.
0: That sounds beautiful. I'm I'm, I'm like ready to move <laughs> or at least at least <laughs> for, for part of the year. <laughs> yeah. No, Um Mm-hmm. okay so we, we we've kind of got a lay of the land here uh so so to speak and uh you said uh, let's go let's go back to kind of like your childhood then so um you started kind of doing um you know the fishing and then some of the trapping or, or at least like uh, uh not trapping but um like you know fur bear kind of stuff um kind of dabbled you into it when when did the bows come along when when did that um when did that transition happen uh
1: thinking maybe around five years ago now um it it was a few things happened all at once for me there was uh, a bit of a transition where i just gained more and more access to private property to hunt so i was relying less on the state land or the public land which is still fantastic but you know private land it hasn't got much pressure on there at all it's very cruisy to hunt so i've got a lot more access to private country. so i was in um i guess you could say very target rich environments so i was happy to um i guess uh for lack of a better term kill fewer animals um that i would with rifles for the sake of picking up a bow and picking up a, a new challenge and it was also around the time i i don't remember exactly what it was that flicked this switch in my head but i wasn't uh, i won't say i was unhealthy but i wasn't as healthy as what i am right now i was just a bit lazy and i'd look at some of these big mountains where i hunt and i'd be reluctant to climb to the top to see what's on the other side because i wasn't as fit as i am now and um, my younger brother uh, one of my younger brothers um, had discovered the compound bow thing and cam haynes and uh uh, just got a bit more into his fitness took his fitness a bit more seriously so I just followed suit I said you know I'm in my mid-20s I should be raging fit I shouldn't be um, I shouldn't have my fitness being a, a limiting factor in how much I hunt or how much I enjoy my hunting so just started taking my fitness a bit more seriously I got into the compound bows a bit and I uh, had some limited success with them here and there and uh, by the t- time I moved up to this area where i'm describing now i lived uh you know maybe five hours west of here for about eight years and when i came back up here again that i just had so much access to so much good country and it was also a a a serious drought so there were stacks of animals all over the landscape and they were all concentrated in areas where there wasn't much grass i could see them easy they were concentrated around the water and the feed so the hunting with a rifle was just like shooting fish in a barrel so that's when Mm -hmm. um i picked up the trad bow in conjunction with the fact that i accidentally um, blew up one of my compound bows so the trad bow (laughs) was very attractive to me after Mm -hmm. that so that's kind of where i landed so i've been shooting trad bows consistently for uh, close to
0: three years now i guess so what, what was that first one that you bought? I know I've seen you shoot a. Uh, I know you've got a widow and then, uh, of course I've seen you do some of the videos on, uh, some of the, like the St. Patrick Lake ones that you're shooting, but, uh, what, what was, what was that first one? I had a very
1: generous friend. I've told this story a few times actually, but, uh, I've got a friend I've connected with online. He's a school teacher in the Northern Territory of Australia. And, uh, he put a post up on a forum saying that he was maybe getting out of some of his trad bows. He had quite a few <clears throat> and, um, he was thinking about selling some. So I hit him up and I was like, Hey man, you know, like I'm thinking about buying a trad bow. I might buy one off you. And he hit me up and said, look, man, um, I've got this bow. I think there might be a bit of an issue of limb twist, but it's a very small chance. He's like, look, it's just, I'm not shooting it real well. Um, every 20 or 30 times I shoot it, the string comes off, but he said it could have been down to release or a problem with the string. I don't know. So I said, I'll just send it to you. You can keep it. And if you want to, um, and if you want to get it fixed by all means. And I asked him what it was and he said, it's a black widow PCH. So I'm like, Oh "Oh, yeah, cool, man. I Google it and I'm like, Oh, you're fairly, uh, that's very, very nice of you to do that. Um, and it's really, it's actually a really cool story. Like he's uh, had a couple of health concerns, and he's pretty well on top of them now. But those health concerns were stopping him from shooting his bows. And I've been talking to him a lot more the last few months, and he's been inspired to start shooting his bows again and sort of get on top of his health. He's a really nice fellow, and um, so this bow that he sent me was a a sixty five pound at twenty eight PCH, and I believe it's probably. Uh, besides maybe his wife's bear Montana, it's probably the lightest bow that he has. So um, we've been talking a lot the last several months and I'm shooting that PCH he sent me and he's got another one. It's another PCH, um, which is 80 pound to 28. Um, oh, good Lord. It's just a savage bow, but uh, he lives in the Northern Territory. So Buffalo's the, the uh, main game up there, but yeah. Um, so that's how that came along, and since then I got, uh, I bought a few other bows here and there, sold them off, just been mucking around trying to find out what I like. And um, I mentioned before, I'm a school teacher. I'm actually a history teacher. That's what I teach most of. So the uh, the lure of the longbow was calling me for long enough where I started to, um, yeah, get another one, one or two of those, which has been a lot of fun. So I've been sort of going back and forth between my longbows and my black widow and it's been a good time yeah very good fun
0: is is this still 65 pounds or did you uh so you're still shooting the heavy poundage with that And, and and what happened with the limb twist thing um so the again
1: uh so he sent me this widow years ago and i was probably i was on the trajectory of being the fittest that i had ever been because um, my brothers and i had committed to walking something called the kokoda track which is a big hike through the mountains of papua new guinea it's got a lot of historical significance for australians because there was a, a battle between us and the japanese there in world war Two. Hmm. so we were just getting really fit to do that so uh as a result of that this friend of mine hit me up and said, I've got this bow. I'll send it down. at 65 or 28. And I'm thinking, oh, well, I'll pull a 70-pound compound bow. No worries. Sure, this this should be okay. And I remember I strung it up in my lounge room. And even standing on my stringer and pulling the bow up, I was just like, what the hell have I got myself into? Uh, just, yeah, obviously. Did it feel, feel like doing squats at the gym? Really you know, because you're <laughs> – <the two. laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh,
1: Yeah. It was crazy. So uh, I went through a few people that I knew and a friend of mine down here sourced a pair of lighter limbs from a bloke. He might have been from North Dakota and they are 54 pounds at 28. There you go. And I pull about 27 inches on a recurve. So they're probably, yeah, 51 pounds about my draw. So that's what I shot. Excuse me. That's what I shot for the longest time. Um. Then I, I end up keeping a couple of other lighter bows that I had, and I sent my PCH riser to a boy down here. His name is Nick Linton. Um, he's, he builds uh, longbows under the brand Norseman Longbows. So um, actually, you wouldn't, you wouldn't mind uh, this bloke because the logo he uses is kind of like the um, Minnesota Vikings logo. Anyway, oh, really? um, I sent him my PCH riser with the heavy limbs, And just said, look, man, I don't know if there's any limb twist. I can't detect any, and I can shoot the bow okay. Just have a look and tell me what you reckon. So he called me up once he got him and said, man, look, I've had it strung here. I've done this. I've done this. I don't actually think there's any limb twist at all. So it may have been a problem with your friend's release or a problem with the string. I can't find anything. So I said, cool, man. Um, By the way, I'm coming down to Sydney for a wedding in a couple of weeks. So I'll stop by. He lives in an area we call the Central Coast. I said, I'll stop by your house on the way back, and I'll get measured up for a custom longbow. And um, as soon as I walked into his house, oh, man, he he's just a mountain of a human being. He just looks like a big, strong Viking kind of person. So I immediately knew, man, this dude's going to have some heavy longbows. And after we got chatting a little bit and I was talking about my you know, different weightlifting regime and the different things I do. He said, man, look, you know, you could handle a bow somewhere in that, a long bow in somewhere in that 60-ish pound range. No worries if you can shoot that Black Widow fine. So then he he built me that um, long bow. You might have seen a few videos. i pounds at 26 and a half inches, which is my draw length with a long bow with the, I find I gained an extra half inch on on like a high-risk grip bow. Mm -hmm. Um, So with a straight up and down grip, like a long bow, I sort of lose a half inch. and I mean, I know you've you've got shorter arms as well. I'm just like, look, I've got short arms. It's just the way it is. So, yeah, I've got those two. That that uh, Norseman Chieftain it is. It's just a straight-laid D-style um, ASL. That one in the now, Black Widow what, PCH, which are over 60 pound.
0: Let me interrupt you a sec. When you, when you were talking, you broke up for just a, a quick second there when you were talking about how, how many pounds that was. So can you say that oh, yeah. again? It's...
1: Um, 65 pounds at 26 and a half inches, which is my ball okay. length, with a like a low wrist grip. Yeah, so um, I've been maintaining my strength as much as I can the last year and uh, shooting it a lot to really get used to it. I, I use it kind of like a training tool, I guess you could say. Like uh, um, it's uh, I've gotten to the point now where I can shoot it comfortably few dozen times before i get really tired uh mm-hmm. so for hunting stuff yeah it's pretty well on the money but that's one of the reasons why i um made an order with eric from st patrick lake because i've been enjoying the the vibe and the feeling of a longbow so much but i can't shoot that bow all day so um i made the order to eric and i said you want to on that one just so i can shoot it on and on all day and that's what he did so now i've got uh, you know, a widow with two sets of limbs which are over 60 for one and about 51 for the other set and then i've got two long bows in about the same pandages
0: so out of all of them right now um as far as like you know what what your what what what, what your fun but you know like go out and think, like take the uh, stump shooting or just target shooting or whatever right versus um like which which one do you take that versus which one if you're gonna grab for one and you're heading out the door to go to go kill something what what are you reaching for?
1: I'll do for the second one. in Terms of I'm grabbing a bow and I'm gonna go kill some. It just has to be that widow. There's there's no competition. Um, it's it's so much heavier in the hands, you know, and and the bow quiver on there. I've got a cellway slide on, got six arrows on there. It just holds so much steadier and yeah. i know there's been a lot of debate the last six months with trad lab when he had josh miller on and, um that kind of thing about uh how asls some people say they're forgiving but they're really not and uh i i remember when i pulled this norseman this heavy longbow out of the case and i strung it up and shot it the first couple of times i just immediately went what what the hell are people talking about? Like this uh, – I mean, I was shooting it properly, but I just had arrows going all over the place. I'm like, this is not forgiving like my widow is. So, yeah, gun to my head, grab a bow and go and kill something. It's the black widow, hands down. But in terms of what I enjoy carrying the most and what's the most fun, it's probably a coin toss between my Norseman longbow or my St. Patrick Lake at the moment. They're both – uh, similar enough that they give me the same kind of fun. Do I lose you there? Do I lose it there, or
0: I can No, 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 no. You got me. No, I, I got you the okay. whole time. So that Norseman yeah. is it? Is that an ASL as well, or is that is that a different style? I, I can't remember what that one looks like.
1: It's it's an ASL. It's almost exactly the same specs wise. So both both of the bows are sixty six inches long. Um, the Norseman's straight laid the St. Patrick's Lake is a slight string follow the Norseman's got a locator grip the St. Patrick's Lake has a disc grip and of course the Norseman's made of bamboo St. Patrick's Lake's made out of yew but in terms of just pick a bow up and the way I can walk around and, and function with it they are nearly identical but um, the, the St. Patrick Lake one had, the riser seems to be about an inch lower because I've used the same string on both bows and I've got to have two different knocking points. So I know Eric had a bit of a chat on that video with um, Cody Greenwood about reasons why he put the riser in certain places. And I, I found that really interesting. it's really cool, but I find oh, both. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's got uh, the different to limb shoot. lengths too, beautiful right? To shoot. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then like, you know, there's some Patrick Lake. It's, smoother in the draw potentially because of the u but pulling 51 pounds compared to 65 pounds it's going to feel smoother in the drawer anyway whereas the norseman sure. feels a little bit more direct when i shoot it but again it, it just uh, i get a much cleaner release because it's so much heavier but they're both fantastic okay? and i'm just uh i'm really proud to own st patrick lake because of all the hype that was around that bow with the fact it's made out of U. I thought that was really cool and i was talking to eric and i was talking to uh Josh Miller, I was talking to a bloke down here called Ben Ma, who is an absolute longbow nut. Like he's just mad for longbows. And that was really fun, that whole thing. But I'm also really proud to own uh, this Norseman that's made in Australia by a bloke who's equally as passionate about longbows as anybody else. He's he makes a living building longbows, you know. He's a really cool blo- bloke. So I'm just stoked to have two cool longbows and I get to have fun with them.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I, put in an order, I was telling you, um, for, uh, that, that, uh, Pacific stick as well. So I think that's, I think my bill is like a few months, mu- you know, a couple of few months away, I think at this point, but, um, yeah, same deal, you know, 66 inch, uh, you, and I think I'm going to go with, you know, i pick out some fancy stuff. Like I think I'm going to do a purple heart riser with, uh, c- uh curly maple limbs, limb veneers. So, um, you know, he thinks that look just, pretty sweet. I think it. I think it look pretty sweet. So I was trying to. Um, I, I wanted to do something like like nicer. You know what I mean? I, I think, and I. I don't know if you're. It sounds like yeah, you're at this yeah. point too. You know, um, like I, I'll probably like buy and test and shoot and do a video on and then sell. You know, a lot of these like like Amazon bows or some other like bows that might pick up on archery talk and things like that. So I've 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 kind of had like a bunch come through here um, that, that that I've shot, but yeah. there's I've I've gotten to the point where like I I like i i want something special you know so you know i have that elk cart i absolutely love that yeah. thing I, I i miss it dearly because it's, it's down in florida right now um so we'll, we'll be reunited uh next about a month in about a month and a half right um yeah. just cause i think i told cool. you the story but i didn't want to ship it back and forth you know so i'm gonna that's that's going hog hunting with yeah. me but it, yeah. it's just it's just special you know there's just special things um you know my 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 bears. I have a couple of the grizzlies. You know they're 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 old bows. I just like them because they're history. Just like I like some of my old like military surplus rifles, like the stories yeah, they could yeah, tell, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. and there's nothing wrong. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with like. Uh, like like the Black Hunters of the Samick Sages and all that stuff of the world, you know, especially, you know, A, if you're just getting into it, or B, if you've been in it a long time and that's what strikes your fancy and that's your bow. But um, I just, you know, at, at this point I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to have bows – They got to be special. They got to have some sort of like. um, It's. I want to like. It it sounds. It sounds vain, but I want to like visually fall in love. Fall in love with it every time I see it because you know. Guess what? I'm carrying it and staring at it a lot more than I'm actually shooting anything with it. You know. So yeah, that's uh, the whole. Yeah. So the, the whole like you know custom thing. You know, not because it sounds, you know, like, like, like snooty or anything like that, of a custom bow. It's just more because it's someone's put their sweat and effort and, 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 um, experience and, you know, hands on into building it. It just makes it a little more special for me, you know, some, some, some something with something of history and heart and soul. And
1: yeah, I agree. And, uh, the, um, I, I'm a, the aesthetic value of everything I do is, very important to me so um like even before i got into the bows i'm a guitar player i've been playing guitar way longer than i've been a hunter and uh i just can't own a guitar that yeah, you know, if it's ugly but it functions beautifully i don't want it i want it to look fantastic 100 uh, with some yeah. of my yep. rifles like yeah got stacks of rifles in my safe um my wife's got a mauser m18 in 243 it's a black synthetic stock, it's a blued barrel, and um, even she was happy to buy that rifle with no soul because she admitted herself, eh, I'm probably gonna beat the thing up, I just need to you know, shoot this thing a lot and go hunting. So when I go hunting at the moment with a rifle, I normally grab that one, or I'll grab my, uh, I've got a Seiko A7 300 Win Mag, which is synthetic and stainless. The thing's got no soul, if I need to get a job done, that's what I'm taking. But if I want to have a really good time, then you know I'm grabbing my Winchester Model 94 and 3030 and I'm having a board Nice,
0: nice, nice. Yeah, same. I've got uh, – yeah, I, I've got a um... – a Savage Axis, right, which is uh, here, like, you can buy it at the, like, local, you know, fleet farm or whatever uh, that we have, you know, scope, yep. scoped combo for, like, I bought it a bunch of years ago for, like, under 300 bucks, right? I mean, super cheap, just stupid accurate. I, I reload. I've got it, you know, like a laser beam of a, of a, of a load for it, you know? Um, so, yeah, so if you want to just, like, get stuff killed, okay, you can oh, pick that this. one. But beside it, you know, I've got... um. Uh, I've got a a ninety uh, a Yugoslav Mauser right. It's an eight millimeter Mauser. I, that's my favorite rifle. In you know, open oh, yeah. sights, yeah, if, if, I love that thing. I've got nice. a I've got a thirty thirty. It's not an it's not a genuine Winchester. It's like a Mossberg copy of one, you know. Um, but yeah, same deal. Um, yeah. It, it, you just you know, I, I know some people are like like super super hardcore, like no no bow only. When you say like oh I want to make it a little more difficult with a the rifle, they kind of roll their eyes. It's like oh it's still a rifle, you know. But it, it's I, I still feel like you're kind of limiting yourself by choosing this, this the, the the exact rifle you know versus compared to another rifle when you go rifle hunting i don't know it's just a mindset yeah. and it's just it's just like hey i like carrying this in my hand regardless of whether you know i'm, I'm going to be able to you know to, to shoot something with it you know
1: oh yeah man and this and like the thing with um the way we do stuff as well like i know you have your limited seasons, and uh, if it was me over there, I'd probably have a hard time deciding what I wanted to walk around with because the time to hunt is limited. But I-, I can go hunting 365 days a year, so I'm perfectly happy to go walking around with my. I haven't killed anything with one of my longbows yet, which I'm very disappointed about. But I- I'm happy to go walking, and if I don't don't shoot something, like that, it's fine. I'll go out next week and I'll take a rifle for something different. And uh, I'm I'm not at all the kind of person who identifies solely as a bow hunter and feels bad about taking a rifle because down here we very much navigate that line between, um, well, there's a few issues. There's A, I want to enjoy myself, B, I want to feed myself, and C, um, the farmers who have allowed me on uh, expect me to conduct myself in a certain way. So if they have asked me to shoot as many pigs as I can, it's all well and good for me to chase pigs around with a traditional bow over a couple of weeks and maybe get one. But then I feel I need I need to pick up a rifle and level a few of them because they've been gracious enough to allow me on their property. So that's what I do. So I have just as much fun doing all that stuff. It's just right now the, um, the traditional bows is my main obsession. But as long as I'm out in the bush, I couldn't care what I'm carrying, even if uh, my wife's got the rifle and I've got the camera. That's just as much fun mm-hmm. to me, honestly.
0: Yeah no uh 100% I, w- I went through the the same mental um you know calculations so this this year too just because I was just so limited on time and look uh, at the, the couple the the two days that I had available let's say for rifle season it was like man which one do I take you know do I do this because I've I, have, I haven't shot <laughs> any, I didn't I didn't end up shooting anything this year at all and uh it's like man do I take you know my my, my scoped one that's a laser beam that I could maybe you know reach out to past 200 you know I don't, I've I haven't shot anything past 189 yards but um or you know pick pick up one of these other ones that I like to carry more just just for the nostalgia just cuz it's going to make me happier but knowing that it's not going to and you know I think it did cost me uh, this year, you know I, I had i had my my thirty thirty with me, you know open sights, and um you know i i i I believe that if I had to had my other rifle that I could have picked a, a a fine kind of finer line through you know through some through some brush that I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to take with um, my my open sighted thirty thirty you know i I think I could have gotten through, but I didn't want to wound the thing, but I know. Yeah you know, that I would have got a much closer, better, better look of my, my, my path, but oh, the oh, the bullets path, rather, if I'd had, if I'd had the rifle, you know, the, the, the scope, yeah. the scope rifle. So, yeah. and uh, yeah, it might, it might've cost me, I don't know, who knows. And you just kind of, you go, you go, you go through that, um, you know, and, and I think we get like, I, and I get caught up in it too. Like I want, I, I want to be the, yeah, you know, like I just, Make it harder on myself, totally traditional, all that kind of stuff. But then at the end, at the end of the day, it's like, man, I really like eating these these critters, too. And um, you just got to oh, yeah. do the, yeah, you just got to do the mental balance. Like if I, and, and the other point is, if if I shoot one with with something that was made it quote unquote easy, am I really gonna uh, enjoy it so much more than I do if I went and just bought something at the store, you know, I mean, cause, cause then that kind of closes that, okay. that, that sliding scale, you know, kind of moves you know closer to the, uh, it's just like grocery shopping, but you're just, you're just, you know, you're not at the, at the grocery store, you just happen to be grocery shopping in the woods, but it's, it's still relatively easy, quote unquote, you know, so I don't know. Oh, we, yeah. we, yeah, we, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, we, hunters, I think, toss that around on our heads a lot. I certainly do anyway, year to year so. Um, do you go
1: – well, like uh, I've got um, I've got farmers who let me hunt on their land and I'm just shovel, shoveling venison towards them all the time and they're really appreciative of that and we, we regularly have people out for dinner all the time. So, um, honest, like I can put my hand on my heart and say uh, one of the biggest motivations, for my wife and I, is the food. Um, and I don't mean to say that other people don't care about the food, but uh, like I, I'm – if I take out, let's just say I take out my Seiko Triple Two, which is one of my main meat harvesting rifles, and I shoot a couple of deer in the head in the spotlight, I'm not I'm not ranting and raving about what a wonderful hunter I am. I'm just talking about, look, I'm just I'm keeping the numbers down because this farmer wants me to. Um, so it's not about what a great hunter I am because I drove around in my, my Ute and I shot these deer from a vehicle. But then I have just as much fun skinning them gutting them butchering them I, uh, my wife and i do the best job we can we give that meat as away as gifts to all sorts of people and that whole process for me is heaps of fun like the the pulling of the trigger from the vehicle is the least enjoyable part of the whole thing but then uh, yep. on the flip side of that when i um when i shot a i shot a reasonable bore with my um heavy recurve bow earlier of last year um the first pig i killed with a trad bow actually so he was a stinky old boar and uh, I cut his back straps out still and I took them home and I ate them. I left the rest there because we're not obligated to eat pigs here and certainly when you kill as many as a lot of us do, you can't eat them all anyway. But uh, And my wife and I ate his back straps and I made a nice mushroom gravy and covered up the wild boar funk and that was a lot of fun too. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, pretty much anything between A and B, I'm happy to do it. Hey, just I love being out there. I love eating the food and I love participating in the – in the whole hunting thing however i can
0: yeah 100 um so you said you've got um I, I know you guys is like hunting rules i guess and regulations are are way different than what we have over here so um you say that you can hunt 365 is that for Kind of walk us through just kind of the, the main things that, that are hunted over there. there. Is that for every animal? Um, you, you know, there's, there's public land, you say, and then there's private land. Is there different rules for, for, for each one? So can you just kind of walk us through, like, what, what hunting rules, I guess, are like in, in, in Australia? Okay. The, some of the most regulated
1: animals are some of our deer species. We've got a deer down here called a hog deer. And uh, they've got, um, I think, limited draw ballots for some areas of Australia where you can hunt them. And as far as I can recall, there might even only be one month where you can hunt them in some areas. um, Some of the rules around hunting the rest of our deer have been relaxing um, as a result of the drought and as a result of their numbers seemingly exploding. And also... Uh, a, a little bit more controversially as a result of people wanting to rally to get all of our deer classified as a feral pest as opposed to an introduced game animal. Um, okay. I remember a few years ago now before the drought, I keep referring to this drought, it was basically over 2018 and uh, 2019 mostly and 2020, um, they're sort of finished by the yeah, end of 2019 but Um, Before then, the deer in my area, fallow deer for example, you could hunt them from the 1st of March to the 1st of November. There was no limit on take. Um, You weren't allowed to shoot them in the spotlight uh, from a vehicle unless you had a commercial shooting license which a lot of people do have. Um, But because their numbers were really getting out of hand, they relaxed those rules so right now uh the the rules are different for public land like you can't drive a vehicle through a state forest with a spotlight on the roof and shoot deer from a public road you can't do that but i can shoot deer from i can shoot deer at the moment where i live 365 days a year i can shoot them uh well with any um any rifle or bow that i choose there are recommended minimums and of course you'd be stupid if you go ahead with something that's not suitable but i'm not going to get charged if i use a, a, a relatively small rifle caliber um yeah the spotlighting thing there's no limit like i said before so it's it's all kind of on the hunters the the individual hunters ethic of what they're comfortable doing in the um i've, I've spotlighted a hell of a lot the last couple of years just because it's so much easier to knock their numbers down and uh, still, process the absolute vast majority of them. The ones I didn't process were ones that were so skinny and rang towards the end of the drought that it wouldn't have been fit for human consumption anyway. Sure. Um, pigs are—it's pretty well open slather on pigs, and it's been that way in Australia for a long time. Deer hunting in Australia—I um, remember being a kid. Deer hunting was a a secret squirrel kind of thing. There was People weren't that willing to share information about where they were going and that. And now uh, the the deer hunting's really taken off. But pigs is – like whenever you'd be talking to Australians 20 years ago and they talked about going hunting, most of them would be talking about pigs. Um, We've got feral goats here, kind of like what you have in Hawaii and I suppose some parts of Texas. And you can hunt them limitlessly, but a lot more landowners are stopping that because – they round them up with dogs or they trap them and they export them because they're worth a lot of money now. Mm. And besides um, the main deer species we've got, like in my, my area, that's mainly fallow deer and there's pockets of uh, red deer and uh, maybe a couple of others, but lots of parts of Australia have chital or axis deer, rooster deer, samba deer, which is a humongous samba deer hunting culture in Victoria. They're just phenomenal creatures. Um, then, uh, uh what else am i missing foxes cats rabbits hares open slather on them a lot of australians have a particular passion for hunting cats <laughs> um
0: yeah because, that's uh, that's a yeah, unique thing my,
1: yeah yeah my wife uh my wife and i argue all the time i mean she's not against hunting cats she just thinks that a lot of our hatred for cats is unwarranted and i guess it is because it's not the individual problem of an individual cat but The issue we have is um, so many of our native mammals, like our small ones and some of our native birds and that, they just never evolved with a predator like a fox or a cat on the landscape. We've got some native predators like Tassie devils and quolls, Q-U-O-L-L. They're another, um, they kind of look like a cat, but they're pretty cool critters. But um, So cats and, and foxes are just, Annihilating so many of our cute, furry uh, little animals, and and there's really not much yeah. we can do about it besides <clears throat> kill all of them. So, Aussies are mad on chasing cats. And besides that, you've got your buffalo in the northern parts, it's pretty well limitless on them. You've got Banteng, which are a little bit more exotic, and there might be a few other regulations on them. And then there's all the feral camels, and horses, and donkeys that. Um, yeah, they're just all over the landscape because so, so much of Australia is just so remote. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I, like to give you an idea, our, our landmass is similar in size to the United States minus Alaska, but we've got only 25 million people on the whole landmass. So there's Jeez. just vast expanses of of nothing where these animals just bred up like crazy, and there are whole industries around shooting them commercially um the we have a commercial kangaroo harvesting industry where people go out in modified vehicles and they shoot kangaroos in the head and put them in uh refrigeration trucks and sell them to the human consumption or the pet food market and that sort of thing goes on a lot and we don't seem to be making a dent in their numbers because uh i guess kind of like yeah, kangaroos for us are kind of like white-tailed deer for you guys over there like we've improved the landscape so much with more food and more water they're numbers are just insane uh, so there are a lot of people who don't like the idea of kangaroos being shot but there are also a lot of people if who know if we don't kill a decent number of the kangaroos then they're going to um, become a problem for themselves and a problem for the farmers so um, yeah most of what we do is described as feral pest management but we're starting to really shouldn't say starting i guess it's pretty strong but we've got a very strong culture around hunting and appreciating game animals and and everything that goes along with that and uh, it's i think in the long run the the public will understand that because hunting and fishing is such a humongous contributor to the economy in australia so the general public is slowly starting to well there's a lot there's a lot more dialogue out there now it's helping a lot of mainstream kind of people understand or realize just what a what a big, big industry it is for us and how much it is a part of our culture because um, mm-hmm. that's something we, we struggle with, I think, as a country. Like you guys and the the, the people, you know, South Africans, people from parts of Africa and, and people in New Zealand, they've got these really strong hunting cultures and we, we aren't seen that way, but our culture of hunting is just as strong. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where all that lands in the next couple of decades. So I'm, I'm very keen to see.
0: Do, do, do you think that um, you're winning the uh, the public opinion uh, kind of fight, I guess? Is, is it swinging in the right direction, then, it sounds like, um, towards, you know, what, like you said, what other countries do as far as, like, management and, like, some game laws and uh, how, you know, like, because, you know, because we hear, we always talk about the North American model, right, of wildlife conservation, where it's, you know, uh, Basically, they're paid for by hunters. Wildlife is paid for by hunters. The um uh, the expansion and the the flourishing, I guess, of the habitats and everything are paid for by hunters. There's so there's a value on all that stuff, right? And I think when when you try to explain it to like a, yeah. a like a non-hunter, they they don't know this stuff, but then they'll get it. Like an anti, you're never gonna convince, but um, what's the general i guess like australian non-hunting populace's you know opinion uh right now of of, of hunting in general because it, it 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 sounds like um and maybe i'm way off base here but but it sounds like it's something that a but like you said it's a strong culture but like a lot of people just kind of like oh it's those people over there doing that kind of stuff and we, we don't really know much about it um so yeah. how, how is how is that perception with with the non-hunters
1: Speaking, speaking for myself, where I sit, I would say it is similarly, a similar level of complicated to what you guys have over there, but for vastly different reasons. A lot of what I see, um, in terms of the debate over your way, so let's just take bear hunting, for example, like, um, what I see and observe, and I mean, I've watched plenty of, you know, meet Eder and I listen to stacks of podcasts, um, <laughs> I'm not the most educated about it all, obviously, but if we talk about the bear hunting thing, it seems like so many mainstream people over your way don't understand that they're still going to eat the bears or most of the bears, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas so, so much of what you guys can fall back on is, oh, well, we're using the meat, which is, it's a good fallback. I don't mean to say it's not a good fallback, but we don't have that because We don't have anything in terms of uh, how much, like, we don't have anything mandated really with how much meat we take home. Now, that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean uh, everybody wastes all the meat, but I can tell you right now, a lot more wild pigs in Australia get left to rot than get taken home to eat. I would say Mm -hmm. probably with other species, like the deer species, that's different, but we don't get to fall back on the. I mean, plenty of us do. Like, I certainly do. I fall back on the food thing a lot because we eat most of the – well, we we eat all the deer. We eat plenty of the pigs, not all of them. We eat plenty of the goats, not all of them. We don't eat the foxes or the cats. Right. Um, But then to bring it back into a different line, everything that we hunt in Australia has been – well, the vast majority of things we hunt, I should say, have been introduced. So we can always fall back on, oh, well, they shouldn't be here. And it's a solid Mm – argument to start with but then it's also a slippery slope because if somebody says we'll flick a switch and all the fallow deer disappear off the landscape i would not flick that switch because i really love chasing him but we also have the distinction between an introduced game animal and a feral pest so deer were deliberately released so we could hunt them whereas pigs were accidental escapees and they've gone feral so there's a lot of debate with that unfortunately a lot of debate within the hunting community um like in terms of hunt some hunters saying a deer are just a pest they're no they're no more valuable than a pig or a goat so we should blast all of them and then we've got other hunters who really like chasing deer saying well we should manage their population and i always find myself with this kind of stuff sitting somewhere in the middle um i like to manage some of my populations of deer but then some people get offended by how many deer i shoot uh, and i'm like well i can't help it i shoot a lot of deer (laughs) like uh, this is what i'm required to do and and uh i'm I'm not apologizing and i still try to manage the population within all that culling so i like to if i'm culling deer i like to try and leave the biggest bucks alone (laughs) because i want to chase them with my bow and i don't cull um unnecessarily mind you there have been periods where i've I've, yeah we've shot a lot of deer but we still get to go fall back on the The food aspect so yeah we're we're in the middle of navigating that I think and there's there's a lot of effort being made in a lot of different forums trying to help hunters use more than just oh they're feral they shouldn't be here because if that's all we fall back on then the government may find a way to absolutely get rid of everything and that's certainly not what we want so
0: um, yeah
1: having said all that the, the the government's perfectly happy to keep us out of lots of our national parks and have no hunting in there whatsoever and then they'll take a lot of our taxpayer dollars and they'll send helicopters up over those parks and they'll shoot literally thousands of deer or pigs or whatever from the air and leave them there to rot Um, and people like me would have gone in there and done it for free and taken the meat home so it's yeah it's very complicated and it's it's lots of different stakeholders, lots of different value being placed on things. I I think that, I mean, everybody I talk to, they've got no issue with what I do, but I'm obviously talking to people in the, in hunting circles and, or uh, the middle ground circles. I don't talk to extremists on the other side of the fence far too much, but I think um, eventually we will have to triumph for for lack of a better word, because um, no one can deny that all of these animals are damaging our landscape and our native animals. And no one can deny that there's a, I mean, it's just an enormous protein source out there that a lot of the times just going to waste. Like, I see pictures on the internet now of of supermarkets in uh, Sydney and Melbourne, and the the meat shelves are totally bare because of COVID, wrecking the supply chains. And I'm just yeah, like, man, there's too. like billions yep. of animals running around out there, you know, like they're just running around. They just like there's just protein on legs that exists, and we haven't had to do anything to it yeah um so it's yeah I, I don't know where it'll all end up but it's i'm, I'm enjoying being a part of it definitely
0: yeah that's you know I, I think we run into the same same stuff over here just uh, depending on public opinion depending on how uh you know how how liberal or you know the the state is and and whatnot or anti-hunting kind of sentiment you know lives there just same deal. I mean, uh with bear hunting, uh, you know, we're fighting all kinds of battles over here, you know, some a bunch of states have, you know, introduced um these it just seems like it was it's been an assault the last like few 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 months here. Uh even even like like several weeks, but you know, uh, just state after state or or yeah. kind of fringe people um, you know, like like the I don't know, like the, the French antis, right? Uh, who are sue happy, you know, litigation happy, have introduced all this uh, all this yeah. craziness. But and you know, like you take California for example, um, you can't you can't shoot mountain lion, right? You can't hunt mountain lion, but they still kill. You know, I believe I don't know if you listen to Rogan, I guess uh, whatever the number is, or you know, like for like four hundred of them a year or, or more. You know, but it's it's it's, it's yeah. government shooters, yeah. and um, they they'd rather do that because. Uh, out of sight out of mind and for a an, for for a non-hunter or an anti-hunter who has been fed this um uh this persona about like you know these these animals are innocent they're beautiful and they are they are obviously but you know heaven forbid you have it, it it's it's worse it's worse for them to swallow the idea that a hunter actually pays money to go and do that because somehow it may it just uh like makes it I don't, it perverts it in some sort of way rather than the government you know yeah. going in and doing it because like some of these people really believe that you know the government's okay. you know it's, it's okay um so anything they do is good so um and, and as long as those evil hunters don't get their jollies off by shooting these these you know majestic creatures even though those quote-unquote majestic creatures still die yeah no,
1: it's, uh, i i keep up with a bit of that i've, I've i see the um there's been some bear hunting lost in some states i see that they're going to reintroduce wolves in the Colorado even though they're kind yeah. of already there and I, I don't listen to I only listen to Rogan when someone like Steve Rinello or Cam Haynes or, <laughs> or Aaron Snyder or whatever but um but uh yeah the, the something um I mean I'm, I'm sure that a lot of your population exists in you know the east and the, and the west coast but to to paint a bit of a picture for Australia, and I'll get the statistics a little bit wrong, but the sentiment will be the same. Um, I think I read somewhere recently that it was 70 or 80% of our population lives in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane. I basically just outlined most of our capital cities, or most of our big cities. And to put it, um, to give a bit more of an idea about the geography of my state, New South Wales, from the northern end, or to the to the northern end of the southern end of New South Wales, is our mountain range, our longest mountain range in Australia, called the Great Dividing Range. It goes pretty well south to north in Australia, but the highest peak is Mount Kosciuszko, which is 2.2 kilometers high, so that's like 2,200 meters high. So I don't know, it might be six seven thousand feet. So it's a right. tiddler compared to your mountains, but. Um, the vast majority of our population in in my area, they live on the eastern side of those mountains, like in the coast. So, something I struggle with is how many people in my state live on the eastern side of the mountains, and they like there are so many of them who actually haven't been over the Great Dividing Range to. A lot of these rural areas and I don't, I'm not even talking about hunting specifically here I'm talking about where all of their wheat production comes from or the sorghum or the, the soy production or um, the wool production uh, the vast majority of their beef production and I, and I have a really hard time with the fact that so many people in in my country don't understand that and I know I'm biased, certainly, but the, the heart and soul of Australia for me is not um, Bondi Beach in the middle of Sydney. You know, it's, it's the agricultural stuff that we've got going on in these rural areas and these vast expanses of just gorgeous wilderness that we all have access to. And, and uh, so many of the decisions being made about this stuff or so much of the public opinion is formed by people in these cities, which are just massive echo chambers. And, sure. uh, as, as an example, I was working with, um, at the, the town I used to live in, it's a bit more Western uh, than here, like a flatter area, lots of kangaroo shooting, lots of pig shooting, lots of crops, lots of cattle farming, that kind of thing. And a bloke turned up to the school for a year. He lived on the coast before he came to the school I was working at and he was uh look a friendly enough person but very much a hippie very much what we might describe as a lefty big greenie and i love the environment too so i'm a bit of a greenie but the point i'm making is he would argue with some of these kids at school you'd ask them what they went and did on the weekends and they might have said oh well you know on our farm we went and shot 50 kangaroos and he would say oh he would get in arguments with them like you really shouldn't be shooting those kangaroos you know like they're meant to be here blah 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 these mm. kids are looking at him like he's got three heads. Like, man, you don't you're not from out here. Like, we're trying to make a living farming wheat. These kangaroos are destroying their crops, they're wrecking our fences. Um, and shooting fifty kangaroos in a night, you could do that for many nights in a row and you still wouldn't make a dent in their population in some areas. And was, I just found myself watching this bloke, just thinking, mate, you can't just turn up here and tell these people how to live. Like this is where your this is where your bread comes from. This is where your wool for your jumper comes from, you know? And so yeah. Um, it's probably similar over your way, but your population is totally. so much bigger yeah. in it, a lot of the other echoes, areas. But I, yeah. I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. no. It, it's it's the, the blinders, you know, that people have in, like you said, in, in cities that actually um, have enough population to make the laws, you know, for, for, for states, and, and they tend to yeah. run rampant over the people who actually uh, provide those people with the stuff necessary for law. And, and anything, you know, from... Um, we, we can, we can talk about hunting or we can, or you can make it into a broader scale about, you know, where, where their energy comes from for their, for their smart car. Okay. Or for their, uh, electric car, yeah. you know, it, nothing's free, you know, there's, there's no, the, the, the whole, uh, you yes. know, notion of, um, uh, the, the, what is it? Zero carbon emission or whatever. I mean, that it's, it, it's an absolute joke. I mean, how, how stupid do you have to be to believe that the electricity that, <clears throat> that you plug in your electric car to at night magically appears there and then you feel better about it because you don't have an internal combustion engine but how do you think you got that 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 energy to charge those batteries you know and and i'm not saying one is you know i'm not saying i don't like electric cars or i don't like whatever but i mean you have to uh, people have to understand the big picture and be like okay you know we as humans on this earth if we're gonna like live and thrive and do what we do and have certain you know day-to-day comforts you have to be okay with a, a certain amount of, I'm going to, I'm going to call it environmental damage, you know, or at least like doing, yeah. you know, some sort of yeah. harvesting of, of some sort, whether it's minerals or whether it's animals from, from the earth. And you got to be okay with that. And, you know, a lot of people would rather just say, nope, I'm, 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 I'm just, you know, my, my, my garbage go, I put my garbage down the driveway in, in a bin and it goes away, you know, every Thursday it comes, gets picked up. I don't, I don't know yeah. where it goes. I don't really care. You know, my I flick on my lights and I pay my bill, and yep. it just gets there, but I don't care. But I'm going to protest when you know a pipeline that's wants right. to go. Yeah. You know, that is, you know, more regulated and clean than uh, you know m- m- most other things that that they interact with in their daily daily lives. You know, so it's just it's just public public perception, and they're 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 I guess you know like I said, blinders to, to everything around them. Yeah, definitely, you know? man, and
1: that's I think like I said, I, it's adding free range stuff's becoming a lot more trendy um i I, with it with a country like ours where there's just so much expansive wilderness and so much protein running around and just so much cool stuff that people don't realize i think certainly i don't mean just with covid but the way the world's gone lately uh it's probably the same way in your country but uh, we're, we're seeing a lot more people moving out of the metropolitan areas into areas like mine because they can work from home and I like to think that in the next 50 to 100 years there'll be a lot more spread out of the cities and there'll be a better use of a landscape a better appreciation for it because we live um, like my wife and i we we own 50 acres um, just outside Armidale now you know we get to walk around our garden we've got a lot, big veggie garden we drink rainwater we We've got solar panels on our roof for our hot water system and it's it's small contributions but we, we try to um, walk the walk as, as much as we talk the talk, you know, within within reason. I still drive a big dirty Toyota Land Cruiser uh, but it's pretty hard to haul firewood around with a Prius probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I haven't tried it. I don't think I will, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: that's true so um how do you get access to uh to to some of these lands and like i mean how far away are you you going i mean as these are these kind of like ranchers and farmers and things like that 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 want you know what they would consider nuisance animals um off their off their property for for crop damage kind of thing or or is it i mean how do you go about doing that
1: no one way i have gotten access to anywhere has ever been the same and uh, one of the Again, this is a, a part of the Australian dialogue that I, I would like to see changed. There's a, a large proportion of hunters who believe um, there are farmers out there just crying out for someone to come and shoot all these pigs. Let's use pigs as an example. Like, geez, I just wish someone would come and shoot all these pigs for me. And yeah, there, there are certainly some, but um, farmers usually have rifles in their cars. Farmers mm. usually have... Kids who either hunt or shoot, or they their kids have friends who hunt or shoot, or they've got friends themselves who hunt or shoot. And farmers also have other things at their disposal, like 1080 baits and traps and all those kinds of things. So, for certainly in in my part of the world, if a, if a um, and I'm talking, I'm using generalizations here. Certainly, there are some shooters who are very good at what they do. Like the we got a big wild dog problem not far from me, and there are some people like farmers who. They need hunters to come in and shoot those feral dogs, but generally speaking, um, hunters who think they are God's gift to farmers and they're going to solve all their problems, they just don't get very far. Because if the farmer was that worried about the animals, they they would have had it sorted out by you know, like I said, dropping baits around or trapping them or whatever. So, um, the I I tend to. Every time I have a conversation with a farmer or a friend of a farmer, it's just it's been very organic. I'm lucky that I, being a school teacher in rural areas, puts me in contact with a lot of families who own farms. And mm. really, it hasn't been any more um, any more complicated than that. I don't tend to approach them and say, "Mate, I'll come and shoot all the pigs for you if you need someone." Often, it's a case of oh, I really like bushwalking really like camping i really like my photography you know if you if you were open to me spending a couple of nights out there and maybe poke around shoot a couple of things whatever that'd be fine and i've uh, i've been very lucky in that regard and some of the farmers who allow my wife and i on to go hunting are are some of our best friends now like we're constantly doing everything we can to help them with anything they ask us for we're um at the moment, my wife and I have gotten a lot into making mead. So we're delivering people venison and mead and um, even uh, we killed a few sheep for a farmer recently and they just let these sheep, um, I mean, uh, like domestic slaughter butcher kind of thing. I don't mean just shot sheep in the paddock.
0: and Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, they were just so, so fat. So we trimmed off all the excess fat and my wife rendered the fat down and made soap. So we give the farmers little gift packages like that and it's it sounds kind of like we're sucking up but we genuinely just enjoy doing that stuff we like to foster really good relationships with the people who let us essentially into their backyard to do whatever the hell we want to do you know like even uh like having the conversation with some of these people over the last couple of weeks like yeah so this film crew is coming up from melbourne um do you, is that going to be a problem having these guys from the tv poking around they're like oh no do, you know do whatever you want we trust you we um so it's very good in that regard but yeah the, the the key in my opinion is just never if you hear some kind of lead you just have to sniff it out no matter what because um for some people pub, uh private access is very hard to come by i would say for me it's very easy but again it's just I'm lucky that I live and work in an area that puts me in touch with a lot of people like that. But having said that, our public land opportunities in Australia are vast. The rest of the world doesn't have a very good idea about that, but they are vast, like especially in um, in Victoria. Man, the amount of country you have to go chasing samba deer down there is absolutely incredible. And there are so many of them. Um, yeah, oh, it's just unbelievable. And, again, I, I think the only times they stop you going in there is when there's like bushfire season maybe. Like you can just – you can go in there. You, you essentially pay for a permit every year and then you just go in and hunt as much as you want. No limit on take, uh, no no limit on your uh, – for the most part on your days. There are some times when they've got gates on roads shut going into some areas so you can't drive a vehicle up there because they're under snow, but you can park your vehicle at the gate and then backpack in. It's sweet. Hmm.
0: Um, yeah,
1: but yeah, like, a, like to – answer a bit more of your question like i've i've got um, some farmers who allow us to shoot we they farm cattle some farm sheep some farm wheat or sorghum or canola Um, some of them just own big blocks of land that are pretty well scrub and it's a lifestyle block they're not even really farmers they just like sharing their little piece of paradise with other people who appreciate it Um, same with uh, some of the fishing. There's always an aspect of me shooting stuff they want me to shoot, but I would never pretend to be the only solution that a farmer has. For example, like uh, some places I go when the pigs are really out of control, besides me trying to shoot as much of them as I can, I'll get a couple of pig traps and I'll set them up and I'll bait them. So I'm knocking them as much as I can, as opposed to just pretending like I'm their only answer to some of these problems they may be having. But there's yeah, a lot of trust built between me and landowners in the same way that would be in you know all all the um places where a lot of you guys hunt but um, i know a lot of the um a lot of the white tail hunting scene a lot of those pieces of land are probably a lot smaller than most of what i hunt on like most of the oh geez besides my neighbors and that who have foxes and rabbits running around who let us go shooting on there i guess yeah 850 acres is one of the smallest properties i hunt and i've got wow. Plenty in that two to three thousand acre range. I've got some a bit further west. I think there's one I've got about thirty-five thousand acres. Um, Good lord! And, uh, some of that Man. what we call cotton country. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, the further you go out there, like there there are big cotton farms where they they build big reservoirs and they pump water out of the rivers into the reservoirs and they irrigate their cotton with it. And it, the the landscape is slim. like they're just really big farms out there. Um, and mm. that's even still like as far as Australian farms go, like that's a very small one compared to the Cattle stations up in the Northern Territory and Western Australia that you you see people talking about. There's several hundred thousand acres, you know, Holy just moly. really big
0: areas. Yeah, it's funny um, going back just a little bit. You're talking about when you're approaching some of these uh, um, farmers and ranchers and stuff. Um, do you call them ranchers over there? Or just all farmers? I, I'm using the term rancher, but landowners. You know, um, you, you can't uh, rely farm- on farmers oh.
1: or landowners. We don't use ranch very often. We don't. Well, hardly anyone even says ranch. Us, us. I don't okay not think anyone has ever said rich <laughs>
0: it, it it's it's kind of reminds me of like here like you can't you can't rely on um the i guess the argument of well we gotta hunt them because their numbers are gonna get too big and if it wasn't for us they're they're just all gonna they're, they're all just gonna you know get sick and die right which is not true you know i mean it's yeah. it's it's just like with any with anything um whether it's you know, their, their numbers or sickness or, or other predators, right. The, the numbers get to a certain point and then it kind of, you know, it kind of goes up and down the cycles for a bit until the, until that kind of stabilizes. Right. Um, so you, you, you yeah. got to have a stronger argument for if you're trying to talk to somebody about why you hunt, um, and, and the good that hunters do, you can't, you can't just, you know, fall back on the, Oh well, we we, we got to shoot them or else they're they're gonna die, because <laughs> because that's that that's yeah. exactly what a non-hunter hears and it doesn't register. Like well, you just said they're either gonna die or they're gonna die. You know what I mean? So you got to have a little stronger argument than yeah. that. So yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I I think when you when you approach yeah. approach them with a with a with a bigger I guess like uh, landscape oriented view or at least uh, a view of like hey, this is something that I'm really passionate about. Then you come off as someone who actually cares about doing you know more than just just, you know, pulling the trigger on something or sending a projectile at something, rather than um... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, get, you get the whole thing, so you, you look like more of a well-rounded uh, uh, I guess, thinking individual, you know, in the eyes of, of people who I guess have only been inundated you know, on TV and movies and stuff with what a, with a hunter what a hunter should be or supposed to be, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you, you gotta I, yeah. I, I, I like that analogy that well, you Well, wait I don't...
1: Yeah, we don't we don't get to fall back on the predator thing either. Like we our, our largest predator is a dog called the dingo. It's referred to as our native dog, but as far as the history of Australia is concerned, um, we've had human beings on our continent for at least 45,000 years. But the dingo has only been here. I say only, but it's only been here, I believe, maybe ten thousand years, maybe a little longer. It got brought over by um, Indigenous people who are migrating down from Asia. So to use the word native is it's an interesting idea in that regard. But yeah. still, a dingo, like a purebred dingo, it would. Oh, I'm just guessing. It's probably a lot smaller than a coyote. Mm-hmm. So where I'm going with that is um, we don't get to fall back on. Well, the predators are gonna knock them back, and everything takes care of us. We just don't have any predators <coughs> big enough. So yeah. I could sh- I could show you some video on Facebook, like later on, mate, where um some of these uh, animals that I was chasing around in the drought, some of the deer and the pigs, they were just um, skin and bone, and there's a lot of them. And I mean, even uh, the a number I forget what the exact number was. Now I've mentioned it on a few other podcasts, maybe here and there, but when the drought was at its height, but in about 12 or 18 months. Uh, the farmer was asking me to really do something about the deer numbers. I think I shot over 110 off a 2,800 acre property, um, oh, and it really started to get down, get the numbers down a little bit in that particular area. I spoke to their neighbor a couple of months ago. He said he shot more than that on the same size property. Um, I've got pictures of um i put a lot of the deer guts and stuff on the ground and just put cameras up on them to see what might come in i've got these a lot of videos of very very skinny pigs sows with suckers hanging off them and these sows are just skin and bones but so uh, a lot of the boars in these pictures are just like solid muscle because there's so much dead stuff around they're just eating it up and they are loving it so um, like I'll, I'll send you some photos later, man. That's like crazy. Some of these are just in ridiculous condition. Yeah, yeah. Because the boars eat. Um, the in the in the times of drought, like I've some places out west where there's a lot of sheep farming and goat farming. Like a, a big boar will just kill lambs and and goat kids and just eat them. Um, uh, one friend of mine, uh, he's oh, probably the most experienced pig hunter I know. He's been doing it for probably over forty years he has seen a, a wild boar kill and eat a mature sheep. I'm um, oh, wow. not saying it happens all the time. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but he's just like, look, it, it does happen. So, um, yeah, the predator thing is we've we just don't have any large predators. So when these numbers start exploding on our landscape, we don't have any other predator that can start to try and keep up with it and then whack their numbers down. So... It's all basically comes down to um, our responsibility as people because we put them here, so now we need to manage them. So we look after the farmers and we look after the native animals and we look after the whole thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it's
1: yeah, it is complicated, but um, I mean, it's, I certainly enjoy being a part of it. Like I said before, I get to hunt a lot of stuff and enjoy myself, and it's all good fun.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, two things. Two things with that. Like one, going back to what you're saying about, um, you know, how. How long, you know, certain animals have been there, you know, and, and I don't, I don't know, like, like scientifically or whatever or, or whoever, you know, whatever we're talking about there, but, you know, how long is it? Does does an animal have to be somewhere to be considered like native? At this point, you know what I mean? Um because yeah. because we always talk about it's like today. uh here here pigs, right? You know, as an in invasive, you know, species and stuff, and you know, Florida, Texas, whatever the South, and they're kind of all they're all over. But you know, you always hear like they're invasive, they're invasive, they're invasive, or even with like fish, like invasive fish, right? Like carp, various various forms of carp and things like that. But I mean, they've been here a long time. So how, how long does an animal have to be around before it's like, Hey, you know, I'm, th- this is my territory now. You know what I mean? Um, is it tens of thousands of years? Yep. Is it 50 years? Is it a hundred years? You know what I mean? Who knows? Um, and I, and, and I don't know, I, you know, um, I can't remember the other point I was going to make yeah. about, Oh yeah. And the other point is, you know, us as, as, you know, predators, I guess on the landscape, you know, when, uh, I, I don't, I personally don't don't hear it enough from hunters who who are having some of these arguments or um, maybe not even arguments but uh, conversations where they you know I don't hear it brought up enough where they say look we are also predators you know and. Um, if, yeah. if, if they get into a conversation with somebody and says, well, why don't you just let like the, the wolves take care of it or the bears take care of it? And you just want to, you know, you just want to get rid of, um, or, you know, uh, do your predator hunting because you want more, more deer and elk and all this and that, you know, for yourself and all that. And then they say, oh, no, no, no. But, uh, I, I, and I don't know how you, you, you have that conversation without just kind of coming off like bloodthirsty, you know, kind of bloodthirsty kind of, kind of way. But I think that we have just as much right to be here, not necessarily to dominate and to kill everything else or whatever, but we have just as much right as mammals, um, to hunt these, these other, you know, this prey animals as a wolf does, as a bear does, as you know, a bobcat does, or, you know, what have you, um, coyote. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, I think, I think hunters need to kind of stick up for that, for, for, for that, uh, I, I part, part of our, our, our heritage you know as, as as humans you know because we are predators um we just happen to do it you know we yeah, have definitely. we have we have better technology we have rifles we have bows we have whatever but um i don't think people should shy away from 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 that part of the argument and be actually stand up for themselves and, and be proud of that and say yep no we, we belong here just as much as that wolf does you know to, to be able to hunt whatever whatever animal we're, we're going after
1: yeah definitely um, yeah. I'll tell you another, uh, interesting Australian perspective on a couple of things within, um, I told you before, some of the water, not far from where I live has got a lot of rainbow trout and brown trout in it. And they, are. um, it's, it's trout occupy an interesting space in the Australian culture because, um, when we talk about introduced animals being a pain and needing to get rid mm-hmm. of them, besides all the ones I've already brought up, um. Uh, pigs foxes cats being the ones that get talked about the most um the horse issue is a very controversial one some people don't want any brumby shot and some people want to kill all of them and (laughs) um i know killing horses is a bit of a controversial thing over there um we uh we've also got carp here like european carp here um and they are doing horrible damage to our native waters and uh, i know like they're fun to catch sure and Uh, Bow fishing has just been made legal in my neck of the woods, which is cool. I'm looking forward to chasing them. But I don't know anybody who um, likes the fact that carp are around because our native fish are so much cooler than carp. But trout are different because the only animals that um, the rainbow and the brown trout have displaced in Australia are probably animals that nobody would have taken notice of anyway because they don't eat anything particularly big and they don't really destroy the water. But... um, because a lot of the water in Australia isn't cold enough for long enough, and I'm sure somebody listening to this is going to tell me that's not what the problem is, but our, our water in Australia in the vast majority of areas where trout exist is not the kind of water that trout can breed. So at like an hour out the road from me, um, there's a trout hatchery near a town called Ebor, E-B-O-R, for anybody who wants to Google. And it's a government-funded trout hatchery And they breed up rainbows and browns and maybe, I know there are some other kinds of trout that exist in my area in small pockets. I'm not sure if they still breed them, but this is a government-funded hatchery just so, um, you know, squillions of baby trout get bred. And we have these massive releasing efforts all over the area where I live every year where people release the trout into parts of rivers and streams just so we can enjoy catching them and the reason why the trachery has to work so hard is because so many of them um, even if they were to find the right conditions to breed one summer that's worse than your typical summer and they're all just cooked and they die so it's uh it's just like this it's the complete opposite of a renewable resource but we're happy to sink the funds into it because we enjoy chasing triets. It's a really interesting dynamic and my dad and i enjoy catching trout sure but we've always kind of Found it funny that some people in Australia um, respect and enjoy catching trout and the trout culture more than our true blue homegrown natives, which are just supremely powerful, amazing, gorgeous fish. You know, like the Murray cod, my favourite. Um, they are just they can grow enormous, but there are plenty of people around here who they 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 turn their nose up at catching our natives because they want to chase the trout because they want to be part of that. Um, well it's actually a really trad you know they're fly fishing and they wear the leather whatever it is and and i respect it i get it and and i love chasing trout too you know but it's i just find it interesting that we've got a higher value placed on because we don't have much of native animals we can really hunt like the, the kangaroo harvest is very much a commercial kind of venture but we can chase trout and we can chase native fish and there are some people who just don't respect our native fish, and I find that really bizarre. Um, I yeah. have a hard time with it, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're sinking all this money into it. Another interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. sticking so all this money into it, and it, it doesn't, and it can't, you know. Um, I think I think people can, most rational people, right, can, can wrap their head around hey, uh, we need to, I guess, help, let, let's say, a certain species out. Um, let's say they got low on numbers or uh, whatever. Um, but then once you get them to whatever numbers they need to be they need to be self-sustaining. Uh, but, it, but it sounds like the trout are just like, they're just grown, but then like you release them in it's, it's kind of like one of those, um, uh, <laughs> things where like, like an animal is kind of like, you know, bred in captivity, you know, and then they, they release them into the wild, like run free, run free. And then like two seconds later, like some, like, like, like. Hawk or eagle or whatever like swoops down and picks them up because they're like completely clueless to the world yeah. and they just can't survive more than five yeah. five minutes in the in in nature, yeah. you know, that's that's oh, but yeah, that's, it's that's it's exactly the people what people are willing is, to do man. for, like, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, oh, I was just gonna say, like, um, there's like some people, like, there are trout fishing pages I'm a member of on Facebook, and sometimes people will put up a picture of a nice trout they've caught and they've killed it, and they're like, man, I'm gonna eat it, and the other people. Start bashing them online, like, oh, you know, you really shouldn't be killing those river trout. There aren't that many to catch, and other people are, man, they stock them up every year. Like, what are you worried about? They're not even supposed to be here. It's just right. Really funny watching that dynamic. And and any Aussies who are listening, like, I'm not down on trout. That they're, they're gorgeous. I caught some trout the other day. They're just beautiful, amazing, athletic fish. Uh, I just I just think it's an interesting dynamic that we've um, we're quite happy to have this um, synthetic creation here so we can all enjoy it in that regard but it's not even close to sustainable you know i like just, that uh, term synthetic creation yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's funny i stole it
1: from steve ranella it's
0: not mine oh <laughs> did you <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, well you, if, if you would have said uh uh oh what is it what's what's the other term um What's the megafauna term that he uses? Charismatic megafauna. Then I would have known it would have said charismatic from Manila, But yeah, with the other one. Yeah. So, um, I've had you on like, god, an hour and a half already. We could talk a a ton of other stuff, but talk really briefly about what this, what this, uh, um, uh, this TV crew is gonna come, and uh, how long they're gonna kind of be with you is it is are they going to go hunting with you are they going to kind of like a day in the life uh how how long are they going to spend time with you and um also like what what kind of show is this um because here if someone said hey i've got a tv crew and, and it's the that is not like outdoor programming related, you know, or as far as like, like some of our, uh, like hunting yeah. channels on TV. Um, my, my kind of red flags would go up and be like, how are, Ooh, you know, what, what, what's their angle and how are they going to represent us? So what, 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 what is this all, what is this yeah. all about that, that, that you're going to be involved with? Okay.
1: I'll try and keep this somewhat brief, although I've clearly demonstrated I'm not good at that so far, but <laughs> that's yeah. okay. Um, so yeah, where can I start? Um, I hate to bring up Meat Eater again because I've brought it up maybe three or four times, but I am a massive fan. And essentially this is going to maybe fill the same kind of niche that Meat Eater does. And I don't necessarily mean the same kind of dialogue or whatever. I mean like um, quality cinematics and conversations not just around the hunting but also around other land management issues, certainly a lot around food, um the 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 phrase that the main guy behind it, his name's Craig, sounds like a bloody legend. I get to meet him in a couple of days, I haven't met him yet, but the the, the phrase he uses is changing the conversation around hunting in Australia or changing the image. It's it's a kind of show we are hoping where because um, it's going to air on mainstream TV in Australia and I believe even um, some TV in North America, um, where the average Joe let's just say I'll pick on Melbourne or Sydney because they're our biggest cities. The average Joe sitting on their lounge or their couch watching TV in those cities should be able to see this TV show. And even if they find it a little bit confronting, they should be able to say, you know what? It's not too bad. Like I I get where they're coming from. I understand a little bit more about it. Um, The, the guy behind it is a videographer, I I guess Uh, that's how he makes his living. He, he works on other um, prominent Australian TV shows, and uh, he—I guess—he put the call out on social media a couple of years ago, just like, "Look, this is who I am. Here's what I do. I'm looking to put together a bit of a TV show. Hit me up if you're interested." I'm not, not sure how many replies he got. I sent him a thing just saying, "Look, man, I'm, you know, good on you for having a crack. Here's who I am. and He's, uh, you know, my wife, and here's." what we're into if that sounds like something that you would be interested in documenting then by all means hit me up and i was very lucky that um he had worked on a i guess the tv crew for like a four-wheel drive company um so we had a mutual friend and this mutual like this mate of mine told craig you know man you know if you ever do a tv show about hunting and eating stuff, you should hit up my mate Dylan because he'd be really good for it. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just telling you that's how I got in contact with old mate. And, um, yeah, there's a a decent cross-section of people uh, in Australian society who are going to be representing hunting on this TV show. For all intents and purposes, I think it's essentially like a social documentary thing. It's called The Season. On Instagram, it's the underscore season. Um, It all looks – really good and it's basically showing the australian public and anybody else who may care to watch that hunters are not uh i mean you you guys use the same terms you know like you say rednecks we say bogans you are driving around in a ute with beer cans or whatever like there are some people who are like that but um your average hunter in australia is just your average person so my wife and i i'm a school teacher she works for a university we're just professionals we Enjoyed our life uh, out on this country area as a bloke. Um, his name is Patrick. He lives in Melbourne. I think he's a management type. He looks to be wearing fancy clothes <laughs> working in the city, but he goes to, up to this public land in Victoria chasing Samba um, you know, whenever he has spare time, and that's probably representative of a lot of Australian hunters. I believe they got video of him – shooting a samba stag with a compound bow for this tv show which is um, like that's fairly remarkable i'm not i'm not saying it never happens but it's not normal for people to use bows chasing samba because they're so big um, and the country they hunt is so thick and there's you know a vast cross section of people there's a lot of different um, aspects of australian hunting being represented and the, the niche that kira my wife and i are filling is I guess just like a regular couple who uh, well we might do a bit of rabbit shooting around our property and our neighbours from what I understand he's gonna arrive here within the next day or two I'm gonna go out to one of our best properties for hunting and spend I don't know three four five days out there as long as we need to maybe get a couple of critters on the ground hopefully we should there's no reason why we shouldn't but you know when you got to put the pressure on stranger things have happened I guess but Sure. Um, the plan is to sh- shoot a few animals, whether they be deer, pigs, goats, whatever. Uh, bring them home and then process them and cook them. And over the course of nearly two weeks, hopefully we'll have enough good stuff where we can have whatever it is you know twenty minutes, half an hour worth of content for this TV series, and should be good. So um, I'm very, very proud to be a part of this uh, TV show in Australia and. Uh, Again, like what I mentioned before, very much walk the walk as opposed to just talk the talk. Like I'm on social media all the time and I'm writing for these magazines and I'm on my YouTube channel. I'm trying to to represent things as best I can and trying to help people maybe, um, you know, communicate what they do better. So I'm looking forward to being a part of this whole project to try and just drive hunting forward in a positive way in Australia and maybe across the world. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool, man, really cool.
0: That, that sounds that sounds really, you know. I, I think more of that needs to happen. And um, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of cool that it's happening. like You said on a mainstream uh, that it's going to be shown on like regular TV, right? I mean, um, that's that's yeah, kind of hard absolutely. to do. You know, it's it's hard to do here. Um, just just because, well, I mean, there's there, there's there's no. I don't think there's there, there's there's no way that the, a, a company um, would kind of risk. Uh, you know, touching such a quote-unquote sensitive subject, you know, as, as, as hunting and put it on mainstream TV. I think that, yeah. I think that's the you, you'd never you'd never find that. So, um, yeah, I mean, good on you for 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 doing that. I, I'm I'd be really curious to, um, if it you know when it comes out if it comes out over here you know to be able to you know to see it or if you're being able to watch it online or you know, Netflix or something. I don't know I don't know what, it, what the plan it, is to sure, man. distribute it. You know, but it's it's going to be yeah. it's going to be good because I, I think we definitely need like way way more than that or more of that so um uh okay so anything we haven't really i mean there's a ton we haven't talked about but anything they, they wanted to kind of touch on here before uh you know we, we get past two hours here um look i'm
1: i'm pretty good man like i said I, I i've got all the time in the world um it's the middle of the night for you i'm, I'm happy to talk about hunting anytime uh I feel like we Went down plenty of rabbit holes. I didn't get particularly ranty, and you didn't either, so that's (laughs) a
0: good thing. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm proud of Uh, myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really, I'm really keen to see how you. Um, I mean, I, I haven't actually told you how. Like, I follow a lot of your stuff. Um, a fair bit, you know. Like, I, I haven't really mentioned that, and I'm not trying to sound like some terrible fan, but what I mean is, um, I'm really interested to see how you go with the pacific stick because the whole i don't even know what words you could use like the saga saw you with that northern mist and you're like man this thing's beautiful but i just don't think it's for me and now you've got the pacific stick with the dish grip i'm like yeah you know maybe he'll come around to the i mean i shouldn't say come around to longbow way of life i mean i've been shooting longbows all of what one year less Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah I, i just watch the way you you try different bows and you talk about the things you like and the things you don't like and um I don't know whether the longbow thing is it, it's 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 always like a love at first sight, or whether you have to put a bit of effort into the longbow thing because you really want to love the longbow, but you have to get over that initial pain in the butt. I don't know. Um, I don't
0: know. It. I'm very uh, well, keen to well, see
1: where you end up with it because I certainly yeah, love mine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I still have I still have that kind of like visual love affair with the, the just the simple, you know, D D shaped long. Ball. I, I like other I, I like all the other bows too. don't get me wrong, but there's there's something unique and special that draws you to just like a um, kind of robust bent stick. Very, very simple um you know i like the i like oh, the idea okay. that it's you know what i mean that it's that it's that it's tough that it's uh you're not going to twist it bend it not that i've like twisted limbs or anything on recurves i think i think the 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 fear of that happening um you know is a little bit overblown i toss my my recurve out, out of out of the tree as well you know i mean they're just they're not going down on the rocks they're going on to like like you know marsh grass or whatever it's a nice soft landing you know even from 15 16 feet up but i, yeah. I don't baby my stuff either way yeah. so I'm, I'm not i'm not going down the oh well it's us just you know uh I'm, I'm gonna use it as a climbing stick kind of thing or you know or just stick it you know in, into into you know Two foot deep bogs in front of me to you know to check to check the bottom. I'm not going to do that, but um, I, I, I still like the idea of 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 that of that style of bow. Um, and I, I, like watching other people shoot it. There's still like a romance, you know, that, that's kind of draws me to that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, yep. I watch you shoot yours. I, sh- I watch Joshua shoot his, I watch all these other people shoot theirs. And it's just, it just looks really, really cool. Now that, that straight grip just didn't work for me. Cause I didn't like that hard, such, such a hard ridge, you know, down, down my palm. But, um, I think that dished one is yep. a little bit flatter um and i had joshua actually send me like up close uh, pictures and he did like a little video too like a really up close video about how much uh on his bow uh how, how much flatter it is there and i think the dished the dished part of that grip i've never shot a dish grip i could be completely wrong so you can tell me but i think it would help to um locate that uh n- not as a locator grip but like kind of give you that proper like heel down um you know like low low wrist kind of thing that you're that you um and i think i'm pretty good about shooting bows the way they're supposed to be shot but this just is just one more like easier way of kind of like like locking your wrist into like a into healing the bow a little bit rather than um having to work at doing that i don't know we'll see we'll see how it goes but um you notice like when i said i i I chose all these all all these all these woods i purposely am choosing like a higher end kind of high zoot kind of bomb diggity special bow and not just uh like like simple like a like a simpler entry level like black glass or or, or whatever because i thought about that um but i'm 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 convincing myself that i'm if i'm going it i'm gonna go 100 percent and spend the money on it so they'll have to like it <laughs> does that make sense yeah man oh and that look and i don't know if that's misplaced at the end of the day, like, by doing this- yeah,
1: no, I mean we're we're doing this because we want to have fun, right? So by yeah. all means, like knock it out the park. It's I'm just keen to see like that that little uh St Patrick Lake fan page on on Facebook is pretty active. It's just a lot of good yeah. talk. There's uh, refreshingly hasn't been a whole bunch of um, negative bull crap like what I see right. on a lot of other Facebook pages. And everybody really appreciates um, the oh well, I guess the craftsmanship that that Eric puts into his bows and. Mm-hmm it's just it's just good old-fashioned fun and that's something that i've been really getting into and uh yeah like again the um there's just something different about a longbow looks cool feels cool um makes you a better shooter too like when i shoot my longbows a lot and then i'd go pick up my widow it just oh my goodness me it just feels like i can't miss with that thing so that's uh like i said almost like a training tool it's just
0: right good right. fun Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, I, I really am. And, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of resigned myself to, um, like going back to what we were talking about earlier. Like there, there are certain things that I know, like, like if, if I, if I wanted the absolute most perfect um easiest to shoot most accurate most everything you know i'd probably go buy an ilf type of rig or you know something like a and and, and i wanted like a satori or whatever for a while but i kind of i kind of got over that you know it would be that or it would be kind of like um you know like like a widow something like super you know heavy heavy riser heavy mass like a psa pma whatever um cut way past center so that you can have you know uh just unrivaled levels of tunability or you know something heavy again like super accurate like a bob lee or whatever same 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 kind of same kind of deal right but um and i do like those bows but um i i, I think if you say okay there are limitations and i know some longbow guys are going to be like oh it's not a limitation it's in your head you know don't i'm not, I'm not saying this in a disparaging way but there's no way that then an ASL is as accurate as one of those you know higher end, higher, higher tunable recurves. They're, they're, it's just it's just not right. Um, but yeah. there's something more intangible with what we do as um, as archers that uh, you know kind of kind of goes go, goes beyond. Because again, if we're talking about most accurate, most uh, most deadly, um, whatever, then then you know we're talking a 30 out six. Okay, a scope thirty out six. Yes. So everything, everything lower yep. than that, you're you're giving up certain levels of, um, of, of accuracy and uh, you know, shootability or what whatnot. But you're gaining something else. And for everybody, again, that sliding scale for everybody that's different. So I'm kind of in that, you know, my, my sliding scale is different than, than, you know, so, someone else's. So that that's where I'm. That's where I land. Yeah
1: and mine's uh mine's certainly a lot different to my wife's like <laughs> she's i mean she's the best but um every time i go out for a hunt and i only take my longbow she just gives me this look like so you're telling me that i'm not going to get any more meat in this freezer when you get back i'm like hey you know maybe, maybe you will this time uh and then i come back from out hunting and, I, and i've had a blast just carrying this thing there's some instances I've, I've missed some stuff with it and i've had a really good time and she's just like what do you mean you had a good time like you came back with nothing. I'm like, yeah, but I got to walk around with this boat to look at it, and I got to feel cool, and uh, and that's important to me. So there, yeah. And, you know, if you want exactly. something in the fridge, then you go and shoot something. You know.
0: <laughs> Remind me when we hang up. I'm gonna tell you a joke. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't. I'm, I'm not necessarily gonna t- tell it on air, although I, although I can make it like a PG or uh, you know a, a safe version. But I'll, I'll tell you a joke when, when when we when we hang up recording here because it reminds me of something. So. Yeah, um, yeah yeah okay no uh where can people find you um i know you mentioned a whole bunch of stuff but just kind of do, do like a little like a recap of everywhere everywhere they can find you and then w- what they can look forward to as far as the tv show when it's coming out
1: cool mate well uh yeah get to youtube and just type in the wilder lifer w-i-l-d-e-r-l-i-f-e-r um that'll direct you to some of my instagram stuff there's going to be a lot more about, um, building arrows for hunting or tuning in, or in terms of like just understanding things like GPI and why you might chase a particular weight. Plus, um, I don't know, just more of my adventures for anybody who happens to be interested and the TV show, I believe it's going to air sometime after Easter. Um, covert's pushed the thing back a lot. So, um, I don't know, I'll communicate with you when, uh, Craig tells me when that's going to be the case. But, uh, sure. yeah, look, if, if anyone's interested in seeing what I'm what I'm up to, either my YouTube channel or my Instagram, which is just wilderlife with an underscore either side, um, it's mainly photography-based. Like, it's not always just dead stuff um, because I, I take pride in taking really good photos as well. So that's where they can keep up to speed with anything they might be interested in if they think what I do is interesting enough
0: cool yeah i uh again like i said i I definitely like watching your stuff um yeah i think i said it earlier it was it was one of those you know when i started like officially following you i'm like oh i've 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 seen i've seen these videos i've seen some of these videos before um (laughs) so yeah and it kind of it kind of clicks and so yeah, good, good stuff. I think you, you know, you re- you represent, uh, you know, hunting and, and, and archery and all that stuff, you know, in, in a very good light. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of glad that, uh, you're, you're doing this project. I think it's going to be, you know, beneficial, you know, no matter what. So, um, okay. With that said, everybody, uh, Dylan, why don't you just hang on, on the, um, uh, on the phone with me here while I, uh, when we stop recording. So everybody, uh, like share ahead, and subscribe yeah super 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 important please do. i i i ask people to leave ratings and then and then they they kind of ask well how do i do it and it's like well i i listen to podcasts on 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 apple like on my phone on, on my you know apple podcasts or whatever um and it's just you just go to the show and you scroll all the way down and there's leave a rating i have no idea how to do it on like spotify or, or any of those other you know or on an android or, or whatnot but there, there's got to be a way to do it but i really really appreciate it people go do that um go go Oh, watch the YouTube channel too, as well, Bowhunting Soul, and um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it, Dylan. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll talk to everybody later. Thanks.